Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast with me, Sam Matterface, TalkSport's Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook and former Chelsea Benfica and Charlton left-back Scott Minto. On today's pod, garnachos with cheese and a spicy bit of salsa as Manchester United wait till injury time to find their bite. Spurs cut deep by the blades. Something fishy going on at Saints. The top two are on TalkSport this weekend. Can the Geordies bounce back from Wembley heartache? It's all on the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. Ah, hello, gentlemen. Everyone okay? Everyone uh, relaxed for the weekend? I must admit, I, I, I've got a bit of a midweek about me towards the end of the week. You know, I have a couple of big games this week and I feel a bit sort of like the lurgy is befalling me. I, I'm I'm good, thank you, mate. I've been looking forward to this podcast, working with you two, of course. And then I'm on a bit of a, um, how do we call it? An all-day session with Alan Kerbishley, Rob Lee and Steve Brown. So, Oh, the old Charlton boys. He, he, you, says, you, he says, I'm really looking forward to seeing you two boys. But he doesn't actually mean that. He means, I'm looking forward to getting this done so I can <laughs> get out on the lash with my mates. <laughs> that's that's uh, not uh, true. Are you allowed out, Scott? Have you had to ha- ask permission from Mrs. Minto like Sam would have to? Or are you, you He's your got own boss? You've got a slip, uh, have you? The, the answer to that is no. And then the, the follow-on from that is, we've just been discussing as we're just about preparing for this podcast in a very professional way. So when are we, we on are it? And, and we're all waiting for Sam, Crookie, aren't we? Hey, listen, it will that. happen next couple of weeks. Um, right, okay, should we have a look back at what happened? Did what did happen this week in the uh, FA Cup? Because for the first time since 2007-8, there will be just four Premier League sides in the FA Cup quarterfinal. Um, does that suggest that people aren't taking it as seriously as they should be? Possibly. Um, I think it's also a reflection on how tight the Premier League is at this moment in time. There aren't too many sides with nothing to play for. Um, therefore, obviously, a lot of managers are prioritising the Premier League. But having said that, David Moyes sent out a strong team at Old Trafford, uh, much to the fury of some West Ham fans. They actually felt he should rest players uh, for the Premier League. But, you know, they gave it a, a real good go. Then you've got teams like Southampton, who were an absolute disgrace at home to Grimsby, to be honest. And that's not necessarily down to Ruben Sellers. That's not necessarily because they're distracted by their Premier League commitments. It's because they've got a poor attitude. And when you've got a poor attitude and you turn up and you don't really care if you win or lose against a side as pumped up as Grimsby were, you fall short. So, Scott, uh, on my piece of paper here, I've got these three questions. Uh, Team who showed the most promise. A biggest flop and biggest shock from the fifth round. All of that comes at one place, I think, doesn't it? Well, yeah, you know, 
We, we, we talk about Southampton and um, Carl Walker-Peters, what he said uh, post-match to you, Cricky, wasn't it? Yeah, he said they take the positives. There are no <laughs> positives. You've just lost at home to a League Two team. We've not been in the quarterfinal since before the Second World War. What a ridiculous statement, but it sums up the attitude of that dressing Grimsby, room. Grimsby uh, last got to the quarterfinals. Yeah, I, I mean, it, but it, it, I mean, the positives that you could take out of it was is that Harry the Haddock was allowed to come in and that we didn't know that inflatable uh, fish could play such a big part in a victory. Uh, do you know what? On, on, on a serious level, no, in fact, let's not be sort of serious first. Let's talk about Paul Hurst, a former teammate of mine at Rotherham and uh, the Grimsby manager who has done... A sensational job, uh, uh, you know, promotion last season. Sam, you know about the, the, the National League from, from last season as well. Um, you know, not found it easy th- this season, but to go there, and I spoke to him uh, a few hours before because I was at, um, well, I spoke to him uh, a few hours before I was at Craven Cottage. And he said, do you know what, Scott? He said, we're just trying to enjoy it. Obviously, we're going to try and set ourselves up, but how are we expected to to, to beat a Premier League side? And I, so well played to him, well played to the lads there. It's nothing short of sensational. To do it away from home as well was just incredible. But but when you think about, you know, we try and analyse that that Carl Walker-Peters quote, I genuinely feel you've got uh, almost, uh, and again, this is not a, a, a dig at Sellers just coming in, but it's almost like a rudderless ship where the players don't really know what to say. Um, there are no positives. You just hold your hands up and you say, do you know what? This is this is the lowest we've been, but we're going to make sure we fight back in our very next game. That's but this the is comment a- that I would be wanting to to hear, rather than try and take the positive. It's it's so bland, it's so nothing. It doesn't mean anything, and and they are sleepwalking towards relegation. But this is a club that have tried to do everything on the cheap for far too long, right? Okay, so Southampton have got. You know, I, I I don't know what the infrastructure is behind the scenes, but I would suggest there that their their media operation isn't as expensively assembled as maybe some of the other clubs in the league. Last night, someone needs to pull those players aside, whoever it is they're going to put up to speak to Crook and the rest of the media and say, right, we need to get the messaging right here before you go out because this is bad, rather than leaving them to their own devices. That, I mean, that is that, that is a that is a statement that actually is going to irk more Southampton fans than maybe even the result because saying I'm going to take the positives out of a 2-0 defeat or 2-1 defeat at home to Grimsby. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's like the worst media training spiel that you could possibly come out with. Do, do you know what? I think it's actually emblematic of the dressing room and the acceptance of defeat. You know, Carl Walker-Peters, he's an experienced player now. He should have been fuming last night that he even had to answer those questions he played quite well to be fair to him on his return from injury he was one of the better performers but he should have been ashamed to be attached to losing at home to a team 64 places below you Ruben Sellers the, the new manager I said is this a time when you need to lose your temper and you know start telling some home truths to players oh no I don't do that we'll just move on in training well maybe you need to mate because this group of players are on their third manager of the season. They've wasted two pre-seasons effectively, one in the summer and then one during the World Cup break. They are going down. They'll lose at home to Leicester on Saturday and that will be it. Yeah. And it, honestly, the, the, shrug, the shrugging of the shoulders, if I was a Southampton fan 
and I'm sure they are, I would be apoplectic this morning. That is one of the most embarrassing, humiliating defeats in the club's history. And you've got a senior player coming out and saying, well, we'll take the positives. There are no positives. You did a very good job of impersonating a Southampton fan, actually, mate, to be honest with you. (laughs) Uh, That's because... uh, Crook's uh, income streams are slowly disappearing. Um, the, every point that Southampton failed to get, every round they failed to progress. Um, elsewhere, probably a bigger story, really. I mean, um, no disrespect to Southampton, but uh, probably a bigger story. Uh, Southampton won Tottenham nil. Um, Harry Kane sitting on the bench watching his team. All of a sudden, he has to come off the bench to try and rescue them. And, oh, everything all right there? Sorry, let me... Let me tell me. Tell me. Someone just tried to call me. Let me turn it off. Blimey! What what, what ringtone? What, what was, was your ringtone? <laughs> What's your ringtone? No, I was trying to cut the phone off, and I accidentally went on Twitter. And uh, you can tell me at the end, actually, Sam. How I turn off the notifications where every time you go on there, if it clicks on a video, it starts playing. Well, it's no, not don't, great. T- don't tell us what that was. What what video was it? Was it? I mean, was that a video that you would share with everybody else? Uh, do you know what it is? It's actually a video of our friend Hursty doing the PA at West Brom. All oh, right, okay, yeah, that, that's what that's what he's telling everyone. Anyway, yeah, no, 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 Mrs. Crook, no, 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 no. That video is just Hursty on the mic. No, no, he had a bit of feedback. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sheffield United won Tottenham nil. Um, <laughs> Uh, and Tottenham, Tottenham once again falling short. What, why? Why? What on earth is going on there? I mean, you talk about Southampton being uh, furious and apoplectic and absolutely uh, down on their luck, but Tottenham Hotspur can't win a trophy again. And just when Chelsea fans are sitting there thinking to themselves, this is the worst season ever, Tottenham just make them feel a little bit better, don't they, Scott? Uh, only a little bit better, Sam, I have to well, say. Jason Cundy uh, was feeling a lot better last night, but then again, Jason does do highs and lows quite um, <laughs> quite well. Yeah, look, I mean, you talk about if you're a Southampton fan, what if you are a Spurs fan as well? You know, this is a great opportunity. We're talking about, you know, you're playing a championship side, albeit one who looks like they are heading back towards the Premier League, but... What a great opportunity to win your first, or at least get to the final, your first major trophy for since 2008. And then you go and do that. Look, people might sort of throw stones at the fact that Harry Kane didn't start. And you can obviously claim that. And to be fair, I think Harry Kane's one of those where he wants to play every game. He's a bit like a Messi and Ronaldo in that sense. He doesn't, doesn't want to be rested. Look, I, I, I definitely you've got to, you've got to play your best players in these obvious potential banana skins. You know, it, it, it's why it's on the telly. I mean, I was listening to the to the Arsenal game on, on Talk Sport last night, so I didn't actually get to, to watch the game in full. But first of all, you just pick your best players because you know it's going to be a tough game. But second of all, the players still need to take responsibility. You know, do these players understand what they're coming into? Or is it just a, you know, he was talking about it's not a motivation thing, but at the same time, were we really up for it? Well, that is pretty much the same thing. And you know, against Sheffield United at Bramall Lane, the crowd they've got, you know, fantastic crowd as well. If you are not absolutely 100% on it, then you're going to get knocked out. And that's exactly what happened. And I think Spurs fans would be right to be as angry as Southampton fans in in, in that sense. Uh, I think they probably will be. Uh, Manchester United weren't on it for about... 87 minutes and 30 seconds of their game at Old Trafford on Wednesday night and then were uh, were rescued by the, the substitutes. Who would have thought that Eric Ten Hag would have made changes and things would have worked out okay? 
Um, Alejandro Gonacho with the, what well, I can only describe as the winner, uh, because it was just the winning goal. It was the winning moment. It was, it was just like the old days, I think I said on the television, when uh, he hit the back of the net, an injury time winner for Manchester United. And then Fred, who has his best scoring season ever at Manchester United, popped up with a clincher 3 1. Um, and West Ham had sort of had been okay. They weren't brilliant. They sort of managed the game. They had two good chances to go on and kill the game before Manchester United even got on the score sheet. They didn't do it. They wasted it. Uh, and as a result, they are out as well. So their tough season continues. Uh, Leicester, oh, talking of tough seasons, are beaten at home by Blackburn. Uh, Southampton 1, Grimsby 2, Bristol City 0, Manchester City 3. That actually was more competitive than uh, the scoreline suggests. Um, I was at that game down at Ashton Gate. Terrific atmosphere. Uh, Fulham beat Leeds. Go on, Fulham. I told you they'll get to the cup final. Um, oh, Who they got in the quarters? Uh, <laughs> scrub that. Uh, Stoke City against Brighton. Finished 1-0 uh, to uh, Roberto De Zerbi's team. And Burnley beat Fleetwood to set up a meeting with Manchester City in round five, which is uh, probably... I mean, we're trying to work out this morning what's first and second pick of the of the, of the quarterfinals, Manchester United against Fulham or uh, Manchester City against Burnley because of the Vincent Company angle of that story. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out in the fullness of time, but those two games will definitely be... Well, they'll all be live on, on television and live on the radio as well. Let's move on to the Premier League action uh, from the midweek and a game live on TalkSport, which has set Arsenal apart. Simicast, who gets the return ball from Gakpo. Simicast, great touch, driving into the box. Can he make it to Salah? It is two! Lovely goal for Liverpool! And Mo Salah celebrates his 20th of the season. And Liverpool are surely celebrating three points now. Liverpool two, Wolves nil. Really, really pleased with, with, with the whole performance. And yeah, but most important, um, um, the, the, the result, fourth clean sheet in a row in the yeah. Premier League is for us very special, especially this year. And yeah, we try to build on Good ball down the line. Eddie and Ketia Uh, we are really happy with, with everything at the end. Uh, we had to marry to win the game. I think the way the team competed, the hunger, the desire, the speed that we showed today, especially when we lost the ball, it was really good. Arsenal five points clear at the top of the table after a 4-0 shellacking of Everton. Um, and listen, I, I told you this would happen. Sean Dyche gave the club a little bit of hope by putting 10 men behind the ball, but away from home, they are bang in trouble. And even at home at the weekend, they weren't particularly great. Uh, he's got a massive job on his hands. But Arsenal, this is the perfect response, isn't it? Scott, I was at the Aston Villa game where they went 1-0 uh, down and 2-1 down after they'd been beaten by Manchester City. And it looked as if their title hopes were crumbling. And then they somehow came up with a winning goal in that game. They somehow dragged themselves through and put three points on the board. And now look at them go. Yeah, I mean, look, I, as I say, I, I listened to it on the on the radio uh, with Jim and Dean and, and it sounded like the first 20 minutes, actually, Everton were the better side and and probably should have scored if they'd have had a, a goal scorer. And that would have made things interesting. But I do think that Villa game has given them so much belief that they can go to the well and come out. You know, Mikel Arteta said, look, lads, this is it. You know, we can't mess around anymore. We've got to find a way to win. And they did. And again, that's what champions do. And I'm not necessarily suggesting they will be champions, but 
they are showing they are capable of being champions because they find a way to win even when they're not playing well. At half time, I'm listening to the lads talk about it. He said, look, they haven't played particularly well, but they're tuning up. Second half, you go out and play. That's what champions do. They find a way, even when they're not playing well, to win the game against what is uh, an Everton side where Sean Dyche can only do so much. He can set them up and it sounds like they started well. But then when you go 1-0 down and 2-0 down, that's down to character. And they don't seem to have that at the moment. So, yeah, it's going to go all the way for Sean Dyche and Everton. But it's a big win because that was their game in hand for, for, for Arteta and Arsenal. Five points. What is it? 13 games to go. I, I still think it's 50-50. Oh, come on. Really? 50-50? Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do because if you look at Arsenal and the fixtures they've got, obviously they've still got Manchester City to play. If you look Away at the fixtures they've got, Away from home. If you look at live on Talksport, exclusive to Talksport. Absolutely, I'm sure you'll be there, mate. Um, Decider. (laughs) But they've got a very tough April, you know, and and I I can see them winning the next few games and and kicking on, and they have to. Look, again, we've spoken without going over old ground, we've spoken about Manchester City, how difficult it is to win three consecutive Premier League titles. Mm. They now have the bit between their teeth with what's happening off the field. The fans are back on board, and, and the top teams. Um, sharpen their minds towards the business end of the season. So I can see them, even though they've not been as great a form of recent seasons, going on a very good winning run. Arsenal have to keep that five-point gap because if it's just two points by the time they play, still 50-50, mate. Squeaky bum time. Um, Big characters required then um, in the Bournemouth dressing room this weekend because they face Arsenal, Crook. And uh, they, they sort of put an okay showing up against Manchester City, especially in the second half last weekend. Uh, but it is two teams at the opposite ends of the table. And that usually only ends in one result, unless you're in the Premier League, which we are, of course. Yeah, but with the greatest will in the world, I'd love to make a case for Bournemouth going to Arsenal and winning, but it won't happen, will it? Bournemouth's away form is is pretty dreadful. Arsenal largely imperious in front of their own fans. And I think we have to give Mikel Arteta credit for the tactical tweak that he's made. Leandro Trossard in, in the false number nine that really has brought the best out of Gabriel Martinelli, much to my delight because he was my fantasy league captain uh, this double game week. 112 points I finished with. So thank you very much, Mikel Arteta, for that. I and I think just the way they bounce back um, from from that Everton defeat. I, I, I'm disagree with Scott. I, I think Arsenal, I think they're clear favourites. I think they're going to win the Premier League. Well, I hope they do because um, I think it's one of those, well, I say I hope they do and then the Manchester City fans will get on my case for saying, oh, you ain't Man City. I don't, I just want somebody else to win it because I think it's, it's one of those sort of I don't want the Premier League to become so predictable that there is always one team that that can that, that win it. I don't want anyone to run away with it. I want a race. I want these two fighting it right to the very end. And Sam, you know, it, 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 if I have it, my it, way, it will be decided the last day with the last kick. Yeah, it is not being anti Manchester City. I think anybody who loves football generally loves Pep Guardiola and what Manchester City, the football they do. But in terms of the Premier League, for some, another team to be winning it, you know, obviously I'd love it to be Chelsea or, or even West Ham. Ain't going to happen. But I think I think most neutrals would agree with you there. So I wouldn't feel bad about saying that. Um, Bournemouth themselves, the Cherries, slightly worried into uh, sort of going into this match. Um, but um, they themselves, one win in six matches. They're another one that's going to get Crook apoplectic with rage because he's losing, losing his route to solid cash on a weekly basis with their press conferences and interviews and 
bits and pieces because they're going down as well, aren't they? I mean, is there any way? You said they, last week, I think, they've got a puncher's chance, but uh, look at their fixtures, have they? Really? I still think they have got a puncher's chance. And I, I think I'm, I'm, less, <laughs> I'm less angry with Bournemouth because the character is good. You know, listen, man for man, they should be down already. They should be bottom of the table. You look at the team they had, certainly for the first half of the season. Okay, they made some good additions in January, but largely investing in young up-and-coming players, not necessarily the end product. Uh, I think the fact they have still got a puncher's chance is credit to everybody there, and at least they're trying. I don't see that Southampton are trying. How can you beat Chelsea one week and then be dreadful in a relegation six-pointer at Leeds and then be even worse at home to Grimsby? So yeah, I think Bournemouth do have a chance. It's difficult because it is so competitive. I think this is the most competitive relegation race that we've had probably in the history of the Premier League because apart from Southampton, I don't see any whipping boys. I, I don't think we can save any certainty apart from Saints. They're down. Bournemouth are close to it, but I think they've, I think they've got a sniff. Most competitive relegation race in Premier League history. Scott, in 2003, how many points did you have when you went down? 42. Oh, who who were you competing with? Oh, gold! I can't remember now. Um, Bolton wasn't it? Bolton stayed Bolton, up at their expense. It was, yeah. I think it was Bolton. That yeah. that was quite competitive, was wasn't it? Bearing in mind that you got so many points. Now, do you know what? Yeah, absolutely. In the forty-two points, I'm not sure will ever be sort of hit again. Um, I, it's not even forty points, is what what we say. It's it's less. No, than it's that usually now. thirty-four now. Yeah, exactly. Um, I understand what Crookie's saying, but I'm going to disagree with him now a little bit and I think it's his heart as much as his head he's not wanting two South Coast clubs to go down because he he lives down there but I do agree with him totally that Bournemouth fans should not be angry with Gary O'Neill or the board they've tried to uh, bring players in in January and they they have a a slight chance a a puncher's chance I'm not sure I think they're down I I think because I think if you look at the other teams Sam you look at the other teams and you talked about me when I was at West Ham 20 years ago um, you look at the teams now around who of two teams, Everton, Leeds, West Ham, Wolves, Leicester, Forest. You need two of those teams to, to, to replace Bournemouth, not just one. And for that reason, I don't see it happening. But I really like the work that Gary O'Neill's doing. I do think they will go down. I hope he keeps his job because I think they'll be very strong favourites to go straight back up. City, though, winning comfortably and once again closing the gap to Arsenal. De Bruyne, ah! Oh, what a strike from Kevin De Bruyne from the edge of the penalty area. Everyone's going to drop points, but uh, we cannot drop <laughs> many if you want to fight until the end. There's still a nagging doubt in the back of my mind that Manchester City have just got the know-how, the nous and the squad to be able to do it. Manchester United win the League Cup for a sixth time. They have beaten Newcastle. Well, we hope it's just the start. I think nothing's ever guaranteed in football. We know... The competition around us is very high. Here comes Newcastle. Almiron, oh lovely one-two in the area. Sells the goalkeeper and nicks it past him. Absolutely superb from Newcastle United. And it is a 4-0 victory for Arsenal. And their five-point lead at the top of the Premier League is back intact. Having played the same number of games as Manchester City. Arsenal Bournemouth is on TalkSport 2 on Saturday afternoon. Um, before that, we've got uh, a huge game between Manchester City and Newcastle. Many of Pep's key players had a bit of a night off 
in midweek, so they'd be well rested, although uh, the likes of Foden and De Bruyne did play. And it was a rather decent uh, performance, I think, from uh, Manchester City, uh, eventually cutting open Bristol City, who had a, a spirited uh, response. Uh, but Newcastle, obviously the big story here, Scott, in terms of how they respond to Carabao Cup final heartbreak, because this could be, I mean, they went into the game stuttering and stumbling. I mean, if they were to lose this match as well, all of a sudden, their season might start to just fall off the wagon a little bit. Absolutely. And, look, you know, the Newcastle fans, I think everyone said enough about them, how superb they were over the weekend, even being like the Japan team clearing clearing up after themselves. So, uh, yeah, we gave them a lot of credit. Yeah, absolutely. But they, they, they are where they shouldn't be to be honest with you, in the first place. And I do believe, as you say, they were stumbling going into the, the Carabao Cup final, probably came at the worst possible time. Um, I was there as a freeloader. Normally it's crooky, but I was there watching the game, enjoyed it. But the moment 1-0 went in, let alone 2-0, I didn't feel they had the bite to get back in. And we've seen that in recent games as well. Probably the best performance they put in recently was against Liverpool. And they were down to 10 men for a lot of it. I can't see them getting anything out of this game. And I've said for some time now, I didn't think Newcastle would finish fourth. But just the fact they're in the vicinity of, I think shows they're a couple of years ahead of schedule in that sense. But yeah, I I can see them just falling down a little bit. The only thing is that the the teams that are fighting for fourth, Liverpool, still in disarray despite the win against Wolves. You know, performance-wise, not very good. A million miles from where they were. And we've just spoken about Spurs. You know, so then you're looking at the likes of Fulham, Brighton and Brentford. So it's up for grabs, that fourth spot. And Newcastle could still get there. But I think they're, they're stumbling at the moment. They need to find a way to score goals and win games. Uh, Manchester City, Newcastle, 12.30 on Saturday, live on Talk Sport. The Magpies have got what could only be described as an abysmal recent record at the Etihad Stadium. Their last three visits have resulted in three defeats with a combined scoreline of 12-0 in <laughs> Manchester City's favour. Uh, Newcastle have never won a league game at the Etihad. Their only victory coming in the League Cup back in 2014. Uh, 15. So can Eddie Howe and his coaching staff somehow shape the team to cause Manchester City some problems? You never know. Um, the other big game at the weekend is Liverpool against Manchester United. Liverpool may be a little bit pepped up by the fact that they beat Wolverhampton Wanderers, but they've got to face an informed Manchester United team crook. And uh, what was it you sent in the group last night? This team, they just don't know when they're beaten. Well, it's true. I, I, I was worried about last night because I, I knew that uh, Ten Hag would have to make changes. I knew the game. That, right, exactly. But th- th- this is my mindset because how can you keep on winning? How can you beat Barcelona on Thursday, win a cup final on Sunday, rest six players, go one nil down with 10 minutes left, and still beat a full-strength West Ham team, almost, barring Jared Bowen. It's absolutely incredible what Ten Hag is doing. I say it every week, but this mentality that he has instilled in the players, I think he's got a 73% win record now, which is stunning when you look at the fact he lost his first two games. This is another massive test. Not the best Liverpool team that Manchester United have faced in recent years by any stretch of the imagination, but it's Anfield. The home fans are going to be up for it. This is their cup final this season. Again, I think it's going to take a monumental effort from Manchester United. Do I think the little bold genius can pull it off? Of course I do. <laughs> that means they'll probably lose now because you've gone into it with a different attitude, whereas you've been such a pessimist 
prior to, to this weekend. It is a difficult trip, Anfield, it always is. And we always big up Liverpool against Manchester United as a huge game. And, and often, often it does produce, actually. I've been at several of these. I always used to play them on a Sunday lunchtime and it was, it was always great to sort of go to either one of the two grounds because the atmosphere was always so so very volatile um, and it made a real sense of occasion. Um, but the last couple of actually, I mean, the, the most recent one at um, Old Trafford, I think I was there. Manchester United won that, didn't they? They played really well they in were that brilliant. game. That, that, that was the start. They were, that was they, the start they, of the revolution. turned it up. Um, and then there's been a few sort of nil-nils prior to that when Jose was in charge and, and Oli were in charge. But, but Eric Ten Hag's got them playing exciting football. And if, if they attack that Liverpool defence, then they will get chances because I know they've kept a clean sheet against Wolves, but I look back at the clean sheets that Liverpool have managed to keep recently. Clean sheet against Wolves, clean sheet against Everton, clean sheet against Newcastle, clean sheet against Chelsea. People were saying, oh, no, they've, got, they've got a little bit more about them. Chelsea don't ever score a goal. Everton don't ever score a goal. Newcastle have gone for a period where they never score a goal and they were down to 10 men for large parts of that game. And Wolverhampton Wanderers really never score a goal. So Manchester United score loads. They've got to be very careful here, Liverpool, because this could be a home shellacking. Yeah, and don't forget, it wasn't that long ago where, wasn't it like a 4-5-0 when when Oli was in charge? So it, it's changed so quickly, and and Ten Hag, and you can see the the passion and the already the love that in Cricky's eyes of these got for for Ten Hag there, but but rightly so. And if this was at Old Trafford, despite them having you know the Carab- the Barcelona Carabao Cup final, West Ham in the cup, and going again, it's not easy to do that from a mental as well as a physical point of view. I, if it was at Old Trafford, I'd I'd say. I definitely think it's a United win because you're spot on about Liverpool. I was at Sellers Park uh, for talk last Saturday with you, Crookie, and and they just looked, they didn't look at it. I mean, it, was a, it wasn't a great Palace side and nil-nil was probably about a fair result. They're a million miles from where they should be. But with it being at Anfield, you know that they'll be 100% up for it because the fans will as well. And that's almost maybe coupled with a little bit of fatigue from, from a United point of view. Might mean they'll get a draw. But I don't see now, and the reason I brought that up before is because it was so one-sided not that long ago. I'm now saying the only way, only result Liverpool can get is a draw, and that's because it's at Anfield. Obviously, the crowd will push them on, but ultimately, the issues they've got defensively in midfield and a lack of spark in, in attack, I think will really come back to haunt them in this game. But then the problem is with matches like this, and often this is the case, the team that's riding high actually end up suffering from the fact that like you mentioned earlier on, Crook, this is the Liverpool's biggest mm. game now between now and the end of the season. So they raise themselves to a level which they haven't achieved so far uh, this season. And they could end up throwing a bit of a spanner in the works as a result of that. And United have to lose at some point. They can't keep winning games. So, yeah, th- th- this is difficult. So I, d- I do, you know, despite my bullishness, I do once again go into it with some trepidation, but I was, the same, Barcelona. Scott, I I w- I was the same against Barcelona. I was the same last night. <laughs> Beep, beep. But listen, let, let's see. But it, it, we, we've done all the superlatives. We've done all the waxing lyrical about Ten Hag. I thought that was a brilliant win from United. Yeah, brilliant win and a brilliant goal from Alejandro Garnacho because the teenager has come up with a couple of brilliant strikes right at the end of games. I think the Fulham game, he scored a brilliant goal. It's not similar to that, but a similar sort of run where he comes in from the left-hand side and, and puts it in the far corner. That goal last night was really well taken. The touch was excellent. The curl into the, the far corner beyond the Ariola was was superb as well. 
and uh, all of a sudden Manchester United's mood completely changed. I mean, he's only 18 years of age. He's a bit of a superstar, isn't he, Scott? I like him. I like him a lot. It, it, does he have a bit of an attitude attitude problem? Uh, it, it, he, he's had one maybe at the start, but I think that's almost been been taken out of him. Sorry, it was my dog is barking here. Um, I think he's he's obviously a Ganacho fan. Absolutely. He's not arguing with you over the fact that you said he had an attitude problem. I quite like the fact that he is quite sort of. I know it's just something about him. I'm not sure about the haircut. I mean, that blonde hair. There's a fine line, Sam. (laughs) There's a fine line between you know having that confidence, which you need to have playing for a club like Manchester United, and the fact that Ten Hag and Bruno Fernandes actually mentioned something publicly, said that maybe there is just that little something. But look, I'm bringing up something that's happened from the early part of the season, and we've not seen that now. In terms of a talent, one, he's, he looks like he's got the mentality. Two, in terms of the pace, I'd, I'd be I'd be hate to be marking him. I'd be showing him inside all the time because the pace he's got, but he can go inside all the time. He can go on his left foot. He can go on his right foot. He can play in either wing. You know, this is a kid that could be playing in the United shirt for the next 10 years. And who knows, be part of winning trophies again. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Since November the 6th, Chelsea have scored just six goals in their last 15 <laughs> games in all competitions. What are you laughing about? I love this stat. <laughs> Which is the fewest of any side in England's top four tiers. It is worse than Gillingham. I mean, it, that is some achievement to be the lowest scorers in the top four tiers of the whole of English football. But Chelsea have managed it. And now I hear some horrible rumours that uh, they have already agreed to sell one of their key products from the Youth Academy to an arch rival. I was hearing twice this weekend, and, and listen, I hope it's not true, but it's two people, two separate people told me about it, uh, that Mason Mount to Liverpool looks like a deal that could be done. Scott, that would rip the heart and soul out of the club. I mean, for all of the good work that the owners uh, are professing that they're going to do, come on, use yeah. your brains. You don't sell. That's like, you don't sell your potential captain for the next 10 years it's like selling John Terry Stephen Gerrard um, you know Tony Adams just, what are you doing 
and not to Liverpool for God's sakes that would be silly wouldn't it well I, 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 I can't defend that in any way whatsoever um, you know this is, this is a still a very young lad who was been player of this season for the last two seasons and, and the one before that I think he was runner season? up it hasn't worked out for them this year. They've changed the manager. They've all been rubbish. But ultimately, if you sell him, you are basically giving up any chance of sort of connection and heritage that this this great player has got with the club. I mean, Thomas Tuchel, Frank Lampard, Gareth Southgate. Yeah. Every, they've picked him in every game. Yeah. Why on earth all of a sudden has he become a bad player that you're willing to ship off to Liverpool? By the way, Liverpool sitting there going... Fantastic. This is exactly what we need. Absolutely. Um, I've even got a few little stats as I didn't know you were going to bring this one up, but I actually had about him because I think it's so important that Chelsea do keep him. Yeah. Frank, no one started him more uh, under, or no one played more under Frank and only Mendy and Rudiger under Tuchel. You know, Gareth Southgate, okay, up until the, the, the final couple of games in the World Cup, always plays him. This is a guy who is incredibly versatile, He's still really young. Quite often when Chelsea, when he doesn't play well, Chelsea don't play well. He's that important. And in terms of versatility, I just, I, I don't see it on any level, Sam. Do you know what I think this could be? He's what, is he 23 now? Something like that. So 24. We know that the, 24. So the, we know that the owners want to put players on long-term contracts and maybe it's a similar thing here. So the contract that... But also lower is- wages, Scott, because they've taken over a club that's got an astronomical wage bill. And uh, yeah. Reese James obviously did his deal mm, three months ago, whatever. Um, and that was before I think they were starting to get to grips with the, uh, the, the, the sort of wage issues that they've had in terms of trying to stay within uh, FFP. So now they've got a situation where they're they're offering a contract which obviously the, the Mount Camp are not going to accept. This has been going on for eight months now they're having these discussions. And now we're at a point where, probably a crucial point really, um, in, in that at the end of this season, if they don't agree a deal, they're going to have to think about selling them. But doing that is going to be so damaging to the connection that the new board have made with the, with the fan base. The other week, in a game that Chelsea were useless in, they unfurled a banner completely dedicated to Mason Mount. And they did that because there was some online traffic having a go at him, right? Now, look, we all know that the online traffic does not translate to the match-going supporter. We know that. The match-going supporters, they find their voice in the stadium. And believe me, they found their voice. They were Mount in in every way, shape or form. They, they, they had a great big banner, the boy that had a dream, picture of all the trophies that he's won and him running away with the, the European Cup like Didier Drogba did um, 10 years before or nine years before him. The truth is, is that this could be the worst decision that Graham Potter makes if he allows this to, to, to continue because he's already got a bad relationship with the Chelsea fans. If he was to be the, the manager that oversaw the selling of, of Mason Mount, it would be, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, but Sam, what, what, the, the only, I, I agree with absolutely everything you've said there, bar just one thing. This is not Graham Potter's decision. No, you but know, it will be pinned he, on him. It so, will be pinned on him. That the, the fans will use it as a stick to beat him. Well, it he's not playing him. He's the one leaving him out. He's the one who apparently there is an issue with in terms of playing. So look, it, it will, well, it will, that will come into it. Well, in, in my opinion, uh, okay, and he, need, he does need to get back into the side, Mason, of that, there's no doubt. And, and absolutely, this is what Chelsea is about. Chelsea for years, decades, has wanted 
academy players to come through and get into the first team. And now with Frank, well, or with Frank and Jody coming back, he ga- they gave them the opportunity. And you've got some quality, quality players now. We know Mason Mount is a quality player. He cannot be allowed to leave Chelsea. My guess is that this will be sorted before the end of the season or by the end of the season. Because you're talking about, the reason why I asked about his age in the seven years, and you're right, everyone's talking about a lot of money being spent, long-term contracts, you know, how are you going to get rid of them? We get rid of them because they're actually not on the money that you think they are. No, I don't think that will be a problem of getting rid of certain players who won't be able to be great for Chelsea over the couple of years. But this is a contract for a lad who's come through the ranks. And if he signs it, it will probably take him up till he's 30. So it's a really important one for him. I would be really surprised and I would be very much against it if an agreement is not sorted. Look, Mason Mount's agent might be wanted for something that Raheem Sterling is on at the moment. And I don't know what he's on, but he's, you know, he might be three hundred grand a week or something. I'd like to think there'll be some common ground between the two. You cannot let Chelsea cannot let Mason go Mason Mount go to anywhere. You definitely cannot let them go to a rival like Liverpool. Um, they do play Leeds this weekend. The game more relevant for Leeds than Chelsea because Chelsea's season in the in the league is over. Um, Leeds will be looking to build a bit of momentum under their new coach, Javi Grazia, but they've gone out of the FA Cup uh, as well this week. They did get three points against Southampton, ending a run of 10 league matches without a win. Um, this is actually... <laughs> This is a good opportunity for Leeds to get another three points, isn't it, Brooke? As odd as that sounds. It's a nightmare game uh, for Chelsea. And I think Leeds have a lot to gain and not much to lose, to be honest. And I think Chelsea have it all to lose. If they were to flounder again at home uh, against a struggling team, it could turn toxic. And actually, I saw a tweet from uh, a Chelsea supporting mutual friend of ours last night, and she was saying, that's it. Graham Potter has to be fired now. How can you lose to a Southampton team who get dumped out the FA Cup by Grimsby? And that is reflective. And I think Kevin Hatchard got it wrong on this podcast on Monday when he said the majority of match-going fans are behind Graham Potter. No. I don't think they are. I, I really don't. I think I think a lot of them lost faith very, very quickly on the basis of, look, we all sit there, everybody wants him to succeed because he's a young English coach. He's gone through uh, an odd route to get to where he is and, and congratulations to him for doing so. He's done very, very well. But I'll repeat the statistic from the top of this section of the podcast. Since November the 6th, they've scored six goals. Six goals. Erling Haaland scored about 20 during that period himself. Do you know what I mean? Marcus Rashford scored three times that over the course of that period. Come on. No, and, and look, it's it's unacceptable. It's not right. It can't go on. I think the next two games are important in terms of what happens with the fans because, you know, Leeds and then Dortmund's crucial. One thing I would say is a lot of people are, are throwing things at, at, at Graham. And I did initially... He's won two in 15. No, no, absolutely. It's indefensible. I'm not trying to defend it. But what, what we're trying to say is, let's not look back, let's look forward. How can, how can he change that? So people are saying he's, he's making too many changes. The last four games, it's been a 4-2-3-1, okay, in terms of system. So you look at the Southampton game to Spurs. Okay, there were six changes, but from Dortmund to Tottenham, it was one change. Everyone knows or everyone who's been involved in sort of, you know, playing in a European game. It's very difficult. A, a European game away from home, not just the game itself, but the travelling, the disruptive sleep. Uh, we know that Reese James, amongst probably a few others as well, still has to be managed physically. So for me, you look at the Dortmund team to the Spurs team 
and there was one change. So in terms of systems, he's trying to keep it similar to 4-2-3-1. In terms of 11, and I don't necessarily agree with it. I wouldn't put Hakim Ziyech in the side. I wouldn't have Ruben Loftus-Cheek in the side either. But, you know, he I think he's trying to get a settled side. Now, the, the selection that he puts against Leeds, if he makes another six changes again, then he doesn't know what his best 11 is. And that's not good after this time. I'm not defending the results. I'm not defending the lack of goals. I looked at Aubameyang when he came on for, what, eight minutes plus injury time. And he was the only one that looked like he was trying to get in behind. That when the ball went out wide, his movement was towards the goal. No one else on the Chelsea pitch had that. So maybe it's a chance to look at him in the league. But unfortunately, can't look at him in the Champions League. Uh, Wolves against Tottenham Hotspur also this weekend. The pressure certainly on Spurs after an embarrassing defeat in the uh, FA Cup fifth round. Newcastle still breathing down their their necks as well. Um, I mean, look, I mean, Tottenham a bit lucky, really, aren't they? The fact that Newcastle had a wobble at the same time they've had another wobble. Tottenham have been pretty poor the whole season. Haven't really put together any performances of note where you can sit there and go, oh, they were really good that day. They've churned out results on a regular basis and then they've had some serious blips over the course of the season. They've been pretty dull to watch, uh, but they are playing Wolverhampton Wanderers that at home, I mean, I mean, they scored, what, just nine goals this season? Yeah, and that's a problem. And, and for all the money they spent in January, they didn't really address that issue. Cunha, I'm not really sure what he is, to be honest. Really likes Sarabia. I said at the time, that could be one of the bargains, the window, I think, for less than £5 million. Pounds. He, he really adds a lot to the squad. They've beaten Liverpool at home. They've thrashed Liverpool at home. And I think this is a, another tricky away day for Spurs, despite the fact you're, you're telling me Wolves don't score very often at Molyneux to come off the back of an FA Cup defeat at Sheffield United against a Wolves team who I thought played really well for, what, an hour against Fulham last weekend. Wouldn't surprise me if Tottenham were to get beat again, in all honesty. Um, Spurs were 1-0 winners on their previous trip to Molyneux. Seven of their last 11 clashes between these sides have been won by the side playing away from home. Uh, Christian Cellini still in charge. Any word on whether Antonio Conte is going to be back anytime soon? What, what's the situation with that, do we think? It's all very quiet, isn't it? And um, <laughs> obviously when they were winning, everyone was saying, well, what a great job Cellini is doing. But, you know, Scott can probably give us a, a better impression of what it's like in the dressing room when you've got an absentee manager. Does that play any part in the fact they've lost in the FA Cup at Sheffield United in midweek? I mean, you can't have it both ways. You know, it's almost like he's better off staying away because Spurs are winning all the time and now they lose in the FA Cup. Well, it's because Conte's not there. So I, I just wonder, I think this, I think the tactics would be the same, generally speaking, um, in the training. I wonder whether the presence of Conte on a day to day is just a bit too much sometimes for the players. You know, let's, let's, let's say it's the positive and yesterday was just about the FA Cup. Sometimes I don't know what he's like. I don't know what he's like, but maybe. Not just what we see on the touchline, him being very animated. Maybe he's like that the day before a game, the meeting, the morning of a meeting. Um, I'd be surprised if he is, but you don't know. Sometimes then players can go out and just relax because you know you're not going to have the the manager on at you all the time. I, I played left back. I was close to the dugout quite often. I'd have to cock a deaf most of the time, pretend I couldn't hear the manager. But you prefer you prefer the manager not to be ranting and raving at you. And, and Conte does. So it's an interesting one to see how it develops the longer he's away. Yeah. Um, Wolves against Tottenham this weekend. Aston Villa, Crystal Palace elsewhere. Palace not scoring too many goals, but at least put a point on the board against Liverpool last weekend. Signs maybe of a little bit of improvement from Patrick Vieira and his team. 
Um, Brighton against West Ham. Uh, West Ham desperately leading points, but they play a Brighton team that are banging form and are through to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup again. And I actually think this is probably going to go under the radar, but it's a huge game. Southampton against Leicester. Now, the reason for that is, is Leicester are on a downward spiral. And I think when Adrian Durham and I, uh, alongside um, Danny Murphy, decided to sort of give our predictions for who would go down at the end of the season, Leicester, Southampton and Bournemouth. And that was, it was, actually it wasn't Danny Murphy. Who was it? I can't remember. It might have been Danny Mills. It was on the day of the closing of the transfer window, or the day after the transfer window. And I just thought Southampton would go, Bournemouth would go, and Leicester might fall. And then the next couple of weeks, they started to pick up putting points on the ball. But they look dejected, don't they, now? And Brendan Rodgers saying afterwards that uh, he was just completely unimpressed by the, the application of his players rang alarm bells for me. Yeah, and they're only three points clear uh, of the, the bottom three. I think the, the advantage they've got, if you look at all the teams below them, and maybe... With Danny Ings now, if he can stay fit, I would make an exception for West Ham. But you've already mentioned Wolves don't score any goals. Leeds have struggled in that department. Everton clearly struggled. Bournemouth don't really have an out-and-out goal scorer. And nor does Southampton. I think Leicester, mainly with the goals they get from midfield, actually, because obviously Jamie Vardy looks like his days are numbered now and neither Iheanacho or Patson Dacker have come up with goals on a regular basis. But Barnes scores goals. Madison scores goals. Tiedemans is capable of the spectacular I think that probably will keep Leicester in the Premier League. But you're right, this is a massive game. If Southampton somehow were to rally themselves and beat Leicester, it would bring them right back in it. I don't see it. I think Leicester will win. Um, If it finishes nil-nil, obviously, uh, then that keeps everybody's uh, worries bubbling along. Um, Southampton desperately need to try and find some sort of inspiration from somewhere. Will they get it? They take on Leicester this weekend. Although I heard, actually, I spoke to a friend of us, Charlotte Nicholl, who's uh, a producer on... uh, a variety of different uh, TV programs and radio programs it has been over the many many years. Uh, she said she went to see Leicester uh, in midweek um, in the FA Cup, and they were absolutely abysmal. And she just could not see um, how they were going to improve, and that and that would, would trouble me slightly. It looks as if they're going to be in for a tough end to the season. Right, uh, Scott, thank you very much for your time. What you got this weekend? Anything uh, interesting? Uh, what have I got this weekend? Sunday session, Sunday. Um, oh, good. Okay. Ironically enough. Um, There's only one more of those. We, we, I think next weekend is... Uh, oh, no, there might be one next weekend as well. There's a, a WSL game. And then uh, it's the quarterfinals. And then I'll be back on the Sunday session. Can't wait for that. You'll be back. You'll be back. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Charlton game on the Saturday as well. Busy boy. Uh, Southampton Leicester on Saturday and then Forest Everton for TalkSport International on Sunday. Big game at the bottom. Big game that one That's a huge one, isn't it? Forest Everton on Sunday. Yeah, that's another big game down at the bottom of the table. Maybe the bottom of the table may end up being the talking point at the end of the weekend. We start at Manchester City's Etihad Stadium, 12.30 on Saturday. Follow that up on TalkSport 2 with Arsenal against Bournemouth. The two big teams in the league vying for supremacy and their games are live on TalkSport this weekend. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. 
Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.